0: This podcast from Teacher is supported by Bank First. Bank First is a customer-owned bank committed to supporting the financial well-being of the education community since 1972. Hello from Teacher Magazine, I'm Jo Earp and welcome to another episode of The Research Files. Teachers are asked to respond to new and uncertain situations all the time, from keeping abreast of curriculum and subject knowledge updates to making quick pivots when a lesson isn't quite going according to plan. Our topic for this episode is teacher adaptability and my guest is Dr Rebecca Colley, a DECRA Fellow and Scientia Senior Lecturer in Educational Psychology in the School of Education at UNSW. Dr Colley and colleagues recently published a paper in the journal Teaching and Teacher Education on their study into adaptability among science teachers in schools across eight countries. We'll be talking about the study findings and the research around teacher adaptability. We'll also talk about the link between teacher adaptability and self-confidence, behaviour management and student self-efficacy. And there'll be some recommendations for school leaders in there around the importance of professional learning communities. There's a lot to discuss today, so let's get started. Dr Rebecca Colley, thanks for joining me and welcome to the Research Files. Now, what do we already know about teacher adaptability? I understand it's a growing area of education research.
1: That's correct. And thanks for having me today, Jo. I'm delighted to be speaking with you. So adaptability has been a part of discussions on teachers and teaching for decades. Adaptability and words like flexibility uh, are things that have come up in many conversations uh, about teaching and effective practice. And they're also highly evident in conversations about teacher attrition and retention, particularly in the first few years of entering the profession. And so a teacher adaptability is a core part of affecting teaching, effective teaching practice. And teachers are asked to be adaptable throughout the school day. And this is because teachers face unexpected situations in the classroom and sudden shifts in timetable changes. They encounter a wide range of learners whose needs may change across the course of a school day depending on the content and the teachers that they're working with, the other students that they're working with. Teachers are also asked to adapt Uh, by embedding new and changing pedagogical and content knowledge into their teaching, and then teachers interact with a diverse range of individuals, including students, colleagues and parents. And so research on teacher adaptability has been growing for a few years now to help distill some of the complexity of teaching in the real world and to identify key factors that play a role in supporting effective and thriving teachers. And the research that my colleagues and I do on teacher adaptability evolved from work on student adaptability, led by my colleague and co-author, Andrew Martin. And so in our work, teacher adaptability is defined as the capacity to adapt in order to effectively manage new, changing or uncertain situations. And we talk about adapting thoughts, actions and emotions And so, for example, if a teacher is facing a classroom of students who aren't really engaged, who are perhaps chatting away and having a hard time, uh, you know, getting started on their work, then adaptability might involve the teacher adjusting their thoughts to think through a variety of options about how they might link the day's content with students' interests to help engage them. It might involve the teacher adjusting their actions to try out a few different activities to engage those students. And it probably also involves the teacher adjusting their emotions to rein in potential frustration, um, you know, in the fact that the the lesson isn't going as planned, um, but also drawing on positive emotions like enthusiasm about the day's lesson to help get students engaged. And so in our research, we've found that teacher adaptability is linked with greater work commitment, so teachers' commitment to their school of employment, their organisation that they work at. It's also linked with lower work disengagement. And so work disengagement occurs when teachers are have hit a point where they've kind of given up at work. So they're putting in very little or no effort at work. Um, and we obviously don't want teachers to reach that point. And so adaptability it is potentially one way to reduce that. And we've also found that uh, teacher adaptability is linked with greater teacher wellbeing and in turn, greater student achievement through the boost that Uh, teachers gain in their well-being from adaptability. Now two of my colleagues at UNSW, Tony Loughlin and Dennis Alonso, have also shown that teacher adaptability is linked with more adaptive practice in the classroom and so they went into classrooms and they observed teachers practice and they found that teachers who adapted based on you know students needs so shifting the direction of the lesson or adding in a new activity to further explore some concept, those teachers reported greater adaptability and so we're getting a better picture of what adaptability is associated with and this includes teacher well-being motivation and teaching practices
0: so there's been a lot of research today and as you say that's certainly growing and so you extended that body of research with this latest study um, you worked with Helena Granciera, Andrew Martin and Emma Burns they're from UNSW and also Andrew Holliman from UCL Institute of Education in London on this study. So what was the aim of your research?
1: So the aim of this study was to build on the prior research that I've just mentioned to further our understanding about teacher adaptability and whether it's relevant in particular domains and in relation to other important outcomes. And so prior work has examined teacher reports or observations of teacher adaptability and in this study we wanted to get students voice in there uh, and in particular we wanted to look at teachers instructional adaptability based on students perspectives so what do students see in the classroom prior work has also focused on the teacher which is understandable because it is a teacher focused uh, factor but we wanted to examine its broader role across the school um, so that is the average levels of adaptability across a group of teachers in a school and we also wanted to look at Uh, whether adaptability is relevant across multiple countries because prior research to date has always been conducted within one country. So does adaptability work in a similar way across different
0: countries? Is it relevant to teachers in different nations across the globe? Okay, let's look into some of the figures then. You examined data from the 2015 cycle of PISA and, of course, that's the Programme for International Student Achievement. And the particular focus of that cycle, so it's a three-year cycle, um, was scientific literacy.
1: That's right. And so that gave us the opportunity to look at adaptability in science instruction. And so science teachers are required to ad- adapt, just like every other teacher in other school subjects. But in addition, science teachers must also make amendments specific to their teaching domain. And so that includes changes in, in technology and laboratory procedures, as well as ongoing advances in knowledge that affect the curriculum. There are also concerns about declines in students' motivation in science worldwide. Um, And so this gave us the opportunity to see if there are some teacher-related factors that may be linked with greater student motivation in the science classroom. And so this study involved data collected from over 2,000 schools. Um, And within those schools, we had data from over 14,000 science teachers and 57,000 students uh, who were aged around 15 years of age, so around grade 10. And the data was collected across eight countries. So we had Australia in there, but we also had Chile, the Czech Republic, Germany, South Korea, Portugal, Spain and the US. And we undertook
0: our study by looking at the role of teacher adaptability across all of those countries. So what exactly did you look at? There's a lot of data in there, isn't there, in the, in the PISA studies. What did you specifically want to focus on?
1: So as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to extend understanding of adaptability in several ways. And in particular, we wanted to see if it's predicted by some other factors that haven't been examined yet. And we wanted to see if it's linked with outcomes that we haven't examined yet. And so we looked at some job-related factors that might support or hinder teacher adaptability, and for the hindering factors, we looked at disruptive student behavior in science classrooms, and we looked at student diversity in a school in terms of socioeconomic status, minority language background, and special needs. And so we anticipated that disruptive behavior and student diversity might mean that some teachers feel a bit more overwhelmed with classroom management and also differentiating learning for those learners, uh, which might leave fewer opportunities or less time to adapt instruction in the day-to-day of teaching. We also looked at science teacher collaboration as a potential resource that might support teacher adaptability. And we expected that more collaboration among science teachers at a school might provide access to a variety of strategies and resources that then helps teachers to adapt in the classroom. So we looked at the extent to which those three factors that I just mentioned are linked with teacher adaptability And as I explained earlier, adaptability is the capacity to adjust in the face of new, changing or uncertain situations. And in this study, we focused on teachers' instructional adaptability. So the extent to which students feel that teachers adjust their practice in the science classroom. And then we looked at whether teacher adaptability is linked with higher science teacher self-efficacy and in turn, higher student self-efficacy for learning science. And so self-efficacy refers to our confidence for undertaking a particular type of task. And in this study, we looked at teachers' self-efficacy for science, teaching and content knowledge. So that is teachers' confidence in relation to pedagogy, like differentiating instruction in science classroom, and using a range of assessment strategies, as well as their confidence with science knowledge. And for students, we looked at their self-efficacy for learning science, including their confidence about interpreting science knowledge, and explaining science concepts to others. And we hypothesized that in schools where there's more uh, adaptable teachers, that that would help them to feel more confident in their teaching, which would in turn help students to feel more confident in their learning because these teachers are creating more
0: effective learning environments. Just to clarify then at this point, as we've mentioned, there's a lot of information in the PISA data. So you're using a mix of both the teacher data because there are teacher survey questions in there as well and also the student responses. Uh, We'll talk about the key findings from this study after this quick message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine supported by Bank First. Bank First is proud to be the bank that supports your purpose. They've been financially empowering educators to realise their dreams since 1972 and understand that your passion, dedication and expertise make a real difference to people's lives. Visit bankfirst.com.au to find out how they can help you reach your financial goals. Welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Rebecca Collie, and we're talking about teacher adaptability. Uh, So Rebecca, I want to talk about the findings now. What were some of the key findings? So what was interesting,
1: Of the first finding was that at schools with more disruptive behaviour in science classes, there tended to be lower science teacher adaptability. And so when there are high levels of disruptive behaviour in a school, teachers are obviously collectively focusing on classroom management, which we suspect requires a lot of adaptability because they are having to adapt uh, to address that in the classroom. But it it's focused on adaptability in terms of behaviour rather than instruction. And so that might leave less time, fewer opportunities for adapting instruction. When teachers are concentrating on ensuring students are, you know, following the rules, it's a safe environment, all of those types of things, then there's less time to focus on the, on the lesson and the content. We also found that schools with higher science teacher adaptability tended to have science teachers with higher self-efficacy. So when science teachers across the school are able to adapt their instruction in the classroom, this helps them feel more confident in their work. And it's probably through those experiences of success. So as a teacher, when you're trying out different, uh, you know, options in the classroom, there's more chance that you'll have success rather than sitting there and and not trying anything new uh, where, you know, there's a very limited chance of being successful. If you're trying out new situations, when you have faced an uncertain situation, then trying out different strategies, trying out different behaviors, thoughts, emotions, likely gives you a better chance of succeeding and and having more confidence in your ability. And then we also found that schools with greater science teacher self efficacy tended to have higher student self efficacy for learning science. And so it's possible that having more self efficacious teachers in a school helps to facilitate learning environments that are more engaging and better equipped to model and scaffold learning for all students. Put differently in schools where science teachers feel more confident in science, this likely helps school average confidence among students as well in that same area. Now, what was really nice about the findings is that they were consistent across the eight countries that we examined. And so this suggests that adaptability does function similarly across these countries and has an
0: important role to play uh, at the school level across these various contexts. Did you dig further into the data then? Was it just um, the country comparisons that you did? We, yes, we just compared across country, but these results that I've mentioned
1: were all controlling for several covariates. So one of those covariates was student science achievement. So if you, if you hold science achievement a, a constant across all of the schools that we looked at, that's what we did effectively when we were controlling for it, these results occurred beyond that. Um, and, and, sci- and school level science student achievement can, is quite highly correlated with socioeconomic status in many cases.
0: Yeah. And the, the other thing that I found interesting there, you were saying about adaptability and then that leading to self-confidence and, um, it's kind of a, a virtuous cycle, isn't it? That adaptability breeds the self-confidence, which then breeds more adaptability, you know, um, you feel able to take the risks maybe and that, then that gives you more confidence and more adaptability. And so to me, it seems like one thing leads to another. I agree. I think that's definitely what is likely
1: to happen. We haven't examined it yet, but I agree. When, when you're testing out different op- op- options and you're seeing them work, then you're probably going to th- think about using them again in a similar situation in the future, which again helps to create this virtuous cycle of building your resources and strategies and then building your confidence as well.
0: So that could be one thing to explore later. And then the other thing, again, that's interesting to dig into later is you mentioned about behaviour management, um, the behaviour management aspect of things. Um, So it may be that those teachers are as adaptable as the other teachers, but they're just not getting the headspace, if you like. They're not getting that chance within the lesson to do that. That's right. And...
1: And we also, as we've spoken about, we examined this at the school level. So this is school-level disruptive behaviour. So it's, it's this average level of disrupt, disruption across a school. Um, and, and it's in schools where there's higher disruptive behaviour. So it's not necessarily on the teacher individually. That's not what this study looked at. It's about across a whole school. If teachers across a school, or students as well,
0: feel that there's more disruptive behaviour, then that is linked with teacher adaptability. It's really interesting stuff, isn't it? So what about the implications for practice then? What do these findings mean for teachers and school leaders and their practice? Do you make any specific recommendations?
1: Yeah, so the first recommendation we make is the importance of reducing disruptive student behaviour. And so what I was just getting into then is the idea that we need to concentrate on disruptive behaviour within the classroom but this study suggests that it's also important to focus on uh, efforts to reduce disruptive behaviour at the school level. And so that may involve, you know, um, having school-wide efforts to promote shared language, uh, shared goals and shared norms regarding behaviour. And that's, uh, you know, one useful and helpful approach for that is uh, school-wide social and emotional learning programs. They can be very helpful for creating that positive school climate. Um, and this is in addition to the professional learning that teachers do for their own classroom management uh, you know, skills within the classroom themselves.
0: So clearly a teacher and school leader, adaptability is important. You mentioned one of the strategies there. What are some of the other ones for promoting adaptability in terms of a school perspective? And then I'm also interested in what we can do as individuals to develop and increase our own um, ability to adapt
1: That's a great uh, question. And this is an area that requires additional research, but we do make some recommendations. So self-reflection through professional learning communities is one strategy that might be helpful for promoting adaptability, both in an individual, but also across a school. And so schools may want to establish professional learning communities in which teachers think about recent instances where something novel or uncertain happened in the classroom, then reflect on how they adjusted And in particular, how do they adjust their thoughts, behaviours and emotions in in relation to that situation to manage it? Then reflecting on their response and brainstorming different strategies that they could use in the future. And this could occur in the professional learning communities, but also individually. And then testing the strategies out next time. So it creates this cycle of self-reflection and professional growth. In our prior research, we've also examined factors that are predictive of a teacher adaptability. And one factor that has featured in several of our studies is perceived autonomy support. And so perceived autonomy support refers to teachers' sense that the school leadership supports their empowerment and self-initiative as a teacher. Our research has shown that perceived autonomy support is linked with greater teacher adaptability. And so knowing this, schools may want to use autonomy supportive leadership practices to support teacher adaptability. And these practices include things like seeking staff input on school policy, providing opportunities for staff to be involved in school level decision making, really listening to teachers' needs and attempting to understand issues from teachers' perspectives, and then providing positive reinforcement regarding teachers' ability to effectively fulfil the the requirements of their job and we suggest that these types of autonomy supportive leadership practices are important because for teachers to be adaptable in their instruction that requires them to be in a working environment that encourages them to have the self-initiation and autonomy to make changes as needed to adapt as needed and so autonomy supportive leadership practices are likely going to help create an environment where teachers feel that they can test out different options and resources and strategies.
0: So having that support of leaders is crucial that's certainly the case with a lot of things isn't it um, the other thing that I just want to pick up on is you mentioned about reflection as a group, and we talk a lot at teacher about the process of reflection and the importance of reflecting on your own practice. That's interesting, the notion of just being able to pick out the points where you are adaptable. You know, we we do rush through a day, don't we, and it's being able to pick out those points where you did really well. It just gives you that reminder that you are doing some practices there that have been effective and may give you more confidence to do it again in the future, I guess. Absolutely. And
1: that trial and error as well, I think, is a really useful part of developing as a teacher.
0: And, of course, the other important aspect that you mentioned earlier is self-efficacy. So regular listeners to the podcast will have heard a recent episode that I did on developmental leadership coaching that's in our um, school improvement series. And that was about building teacher self-efficacy in a school and how difficult it can be to foster.
1: Yeah, that's a really important point. It can be difficult to foster. Um, And although our research didn't get into the effectiveness of approaches for promoting teacher self-efficacy, Our study does suggest that it may be important for such efforts to be focused at the school level, not only at the individual level. So helping all teachers to raise their self-efficacy across the school. And and more research really is needed to ascertain whether and how this can be done. But from a broader reading of the literature, professional learning communities are are another option for this. And they do seem to be a promising way to develop teacher self-efficacy, particularly in science. Um, But for these professional learning communities to be effective, They need to be ongoing, driven by teachers, embedded in the teaching context. And of course, teachers need time, which is a commodity that is very hard to come by in schools these days. Returning to our study, I think it's really important that we now know that teacher adaptability may play a role in supporting or promoting teacher self-efficacy. And so that's another area for future research. And in particular, examining the extent to which efforts to promote adaptability in a school also lead to improvements in teacher self-efficacy. That's, you know, this area is really important going forward to see how we can use adaptability to promote more positive outcomes for teachers
0: at work. That's all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion on teacher adaptability and the study by Dr. Rebecca Colley and colleagues. There's more information and related reading in the transcript of this podcast on the teacher website. If you want to keep listening, there are more than 60 episodes of the research files and more than 170 in total in our podcast archive. It includes School Improvement Episode 10, which is on the topic of effective professional learning communities, something we've talked about today. Here's a short snippet from that podcast of Dr. Lawrence Ingvason talking about setting up a professional learning community.
2: Quite simply, think about how can we simply improve the frequency and the quality of conversations that teachers have about their work, about their students' learning, but particularly conversations where what's on the table in in the conversation is examples of students' work or examples of students' progress, so the concrete things that are guiding the discussion. Um, it can be fatal to set up professional learning teams and the team sits around the table and says, well, well, what's the agenda, where are we going? Mm-hmm. A professional community uh, is guided by a very strong set of professional values and that part of those values is what can we do to, uh, together to ensure that we offer a high quality education for our students.
0: You can listen to that full episode on the teacher website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app to keep up to date with the latest from Teacher magazine and please rate and review us while you're there. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher, supported by Bank First. Bank First is proud to be the bank that exists to serve the education community. Visit bankfirst.com.au to find out how they can help you reach your financial goals.